Hello and welcome to the PacMag Parents Podcast, your place to laugh and learn. Everything we do is to make the lives of everyday parents easier. Without further ado, let's welcome our hostess with the mostess, Bree James. Since its first episode over 50 years ago in 1969, Sesame Street has been a staple in the lives of families around the globe. Featuring Jim Henson's Muppets, celebrity guests and programming based on research, it was the first of its kind and continues to be the leader in children's television programming. We are so lucky to be joined by Dr. Rosemary Truglio, Senior Vice President of Curriculum and Content at Sesame Workshop. Rosemary has a PhD in child psychology and she develops all of the content up to Sesame Street. So truly honoured to have her on the show today. Let's get her on Zoom and find out more about the incredible Sesame Street and her role that she plays in the development of it. It's time to get to class. So tell me, Dr. Rosemary, uh, Sesame Street recently launched season 51 in Australia on ABC for Kids. Now, I know when it was created, uh, the aim was to do something good uh, with the addictive powers of television. Um, but would the creators have ever imagined that, you know, nearly 52 years later, that uh, it would still be going and have expanded so much to what it is now? Uh, no, because when it started 52 years ago, uh, it was a great experiment. It was um, asking the question, can we harness the power of television that children were so drawn to and use it in an educational way to prepare them for kindergarten? So thinking about using television to deliver the same kinds of school readiness skills that children would have in a preschool or in a daycare, um, but using television uh, to get them ready for school. And so the focus was on disadvantaged children who did not have access uh, to this type of curriculum. And how do we give them engaging, appealing content that they would be drawn to, but we're teaching them all those uh, fundamental skills to get them ready for school, but also life skills because it's based in a neighborhood. So it's uh, school readiness and beyond. Yeah, because the, the actual creators of the show, they're still alive. They're 91 years of age. They must be like just so proud of what they've achieved. Absolutely. And, um, and we're a, a global company. So it's, uh, it started as just a, a domestic a U.S. Uh, show. And um, so the experiment worked. It was proven that, yes, you could harness uh, those television techniques um, and package it in a, an appealing show. And uh, through the, um, the systematic research that was done on those early years to, to see, can you see learning gains? And indeed, yes, the children who watched Sesame Street uh, uh, were better prepared for school than the children who did not watch Sesame Street. So yes, it was an experiment. They never dreamed it would be go beyond those experimental years. Um, and what's wonderful is that, yes, we're 51 years later, and we still refer to ourselves as the experimental season. And the reason for this is that we're a dynamic show. 
we're always evolving the curriculum based on um, what the current needs of kids are, based on the research that we know are best practices in addressing those needs. So we're always um, identifying needs and researching. Research is a huge component of our content development to make sure that the content we're creating remains appealing and engaging, and most importantly, is comprehensible for our target audience. It's absolutely incredible because, I mean, the, the attention is so difficult to get these days um, with people, and you guys have been able to capture it for, as I said, like 51 years. It's just absolutely incredible. incredible. What do you think is the secret to its longevity and success? Uh, what makes it so special? Because I think, you know, so many people would love to have the attention that you have of this audience and you've just done it seamlessly for so many years. I think the key component, of course, are our characters. Um, you know, they are uh, developed uh, to represent children and to represent uh, a range of personalities um, and ages so that children relate to our characters. Um, another key component is not being afraid of change and, and um, always evolving, which is really interesting because when you um, have a show that um, has been on the air for as long as it has, you have multiple generations. So we need to make sure that the, the show meets the needs of today's children, which is interesting because there's a, a, a wide um, landscape of, of children's programming, as you said. You know, vying for children's attention. So you need to make sure that um, the show is appealing and they want to watch because you could have the best educational content. And if they don't want to watch, we're not going to be able to reach and teach. But you also have to manage the parents and grandparents because they'll say, wait a minute, this isn't the show that I grew up with. This isn't my sesame. And we have to remind them that, no, this is your child's sesame. So, and then they get it. Then they see the show through their child's eyes. And they see that the importance of a show to not be static, not to be uh, afraid of making the necessary changes and to embrace those changes, knowing that it's addressing the educational and societal and health needs of, of today's children. Yeah, because that's really true. Like every show has a message, um, you know, and it's incredible that it doesn't shy away from the difficult subjects. Um, you know, why do you believe it's so important that the show tackles these subjects like racism, bullying, incarceration, uh, COVID-19 now as well, obviously? Yeah, you know, I'm really glad you asked that question because Sesame Street is often thought of as a show that just focuses on the academic uh, basics, uh, academic foundational skills. So literacy and, and numeracy. And for many years, we used to say the show was brought to you by the letter A and the number 10. Um, but the show has always been so much more than, than, than that and really uh, what we call a uh, taking a whole child approach. Because when you think of school readiness, and we, when you talk to educators, and, and as I said, we're a research-driven show, they'll say, we can teach children these academic skills. What's harder for us as teachers to, to, to teach and develop are those social emotional skills and their ability to focus their attention and their ability to um, 
listen to uh, instructions and be able to um, manage and regulate their emotions. And so that's why these social emotional topics that we address are critical because if children are dealing with their emotions and uh, issues that are occurring in their life, then they're not gonna be focused on learning those academic skills. So that's why you need that whole, that whole package. So children are not growing up in a vacuum. They are part of, of a community. And so when they are experiencing changes, like for instance, COVID-19, we just upended children and family. We just upended all of their, their routines. Um, we, you know, people were in lockdown. Um, they're not going to school. They're not seeing their friends. They're not seeing extended families. Think about the social emotional toll on children. And yet they're being asked to learn remotely. So that's another example of how you need to address their social emotional needs. And in terms of racism, um, we are shining a light to let parents know that children are not colorblind. And so often parents will say, well, we really can't talk about our differences. We're all the same. Well, that is doing a disservice to children because if they notice differences and they are because children are so observant and they have curiosity, they wanna know, well, why are we not alike? Um, so when they ask questions, they're asking because they wanna know and parents are then saying, oh, no, no, no. We don't talk about how we are uh, different physically. That then tells a child, I just asked something wrong. I, 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 and, and parents will say, shh, 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 don't, we, don't, we don't talk about it if they're, in, if they're in public. So we're shining a light on this because we want to create content for parents to understand that children need to have a positive self-identity. They need to know who they are and to feel good about who they are, but also learn about others and how we can celebrate differences, but also focus on how we are the same. And that's how friendships are born, right? You're, you're friends with people who you have commonality with, but you also respect their, their, their differences. And then what do you do if you see um, an unkind behavior or hurtful behavior? How do you help children um, speak up and say, that's wrong, or that's not fair? Or how do you go to an adult, a trusted adult and say, listen, I just, someone hurt my feelings or hurt the feelings of, of, of my friend. So it's through our content that we're able to um, express these, these messages and to model for families the how-tos. And I think that's another um, unique component of Sesame Street is that we are based on a street in a neighborhood with adults caring adults who are stand-ins for, for the parents. And that's one of the things that I think I love about the show most is that, you know, you can watch it with your child and you actually learn as well. And I think just seeing the adults on Sesame Street model how to answer certain tough questions and things like that, it's really a show, as you said, not only for the child, but for the grandparent and the parent as well to learn. Because some of these questions that kids ask us are really tricky. And I think, you know, it is helpful uh, the way that Sesame Street models how to answer some of those tough questions for us. And I'm really glad you say that because um, so often I will say to, to parents, 
watch Sesame. It's not, it's a show. And that's from the very beginning too. See, like some things are sacred and not going to be changed. And, and trying to um, embrace a dual audience is, is uh, um, an important component of Sesame Street. And I say to parents, you may think that the show is for your children, but there's so much for you to gain. And while you're watching with your children, think of it as a parenting show because the adult characters are, are modeling these, these parenting lessons of, of the how-tos. How do you answer the question? What do I do when my child is feeling this way or asking these questions or struggling with, with something? Um, and uh, which, is, which is great. But the other component is it also helps parents extend the lessons of the show. Right. If you watch with your child, then you know what was what the, the, the street story was about and some of the other uh, show formats. So then it sparks ideas about how you can extend the learning after the show is over. Yeah, I love that. Now, the latest season is um, marking the beginning of a new two year curriculum uh, focused on playful problem solving, which I love that. Um, and it's designed to build critical thinking skills in young children and better equip them to uh, handle challenges in school uh, and beyond. Um, why has this become the focus for the next two years? Because obviously, you know, I've got children. There is, I, I've noticed a bit of a trend of kids just not having motivation and not, you know, giving up really quickly with when a problem comes. So I love that new song uh, that you've got uh, as well. Um, Tell me more about why you're focusing on this pro problem, playful problem solving. I love it. I'm so glad uh, you do. And the song is focused on, um, I wonder what if, let's try. And these are three pillars for what, we, what, what, what educators call positive approaches to learning. So every, every year, every two years, um, my responsibility and with my team is to, to identify what are some critical educational needs of children. And so we spend a lot of time doing our research, talking to, to the experts, talking to, the, to, to developmental psychologists and pediatricians and teachers. And this has been an ongoing trend that um, they've identified that children, and it has a lot to do with what we call um, helicopter parenting, right? Where parents are hovering over their children and overstructuring them and solving all their problems. So teachers in particular talk about how they come to the classroom and whenever there's a challenge, they're so quick to give up or they'll, when faced with a challenge, run to the teacher, you know, help me solve, you know, help me figure this out. And the teachers are saying, well, where is their uh, autonomy, their independence? Why aren't they curious and coming up with these creative problem solving uh, solutions and, and why are they giving up so quickly, um, especially if they make a mistake? If they make a mistake, they're going to they're have a meltdown, you know, right? Because mistakes aren't, aren't good, right? You can't make a mistake, you can't fail. So how do we flip this around to go back to that sense of wonder, right? The early years are filled with that sense of wonder and wanting to learn and exciting about getting excited about learning. And so that's what that's the, the, the reason for this curriculum um, approach is to, to model for children. First, mistakes are great, right? It's okay to make a mistake. And, and, and that's how you learn. 
you learn through those mistakes. It's what you do with that mistake. How do you reflect on what didn't work so that you can make some changes and try something new? And instead of seeing it as an obstacle, seeing it through the lens of um, excitement and, and uh, creativity, I get to try something else and see if that's going to work. So that's what we're modeling. And this catchy phrase allows us to um, structure the story so that we can see multiple attempts and see how the characters work through those multiple attempts until they finally um, uh, are successful and solve the problem. So that's why they say, when we have a problem, what do we say? I wonder, what if, let's try. So I wonder is curiosity, what if is creativity and, and critical thinking, and let's try is perseverance. Yeah, I love the song too by Hayley Steinfeld that she sang it and it's very catchy and it is so true. I think, you know, even as adults, I think we're quick to give up these days. So, you know, I think it's such, and during this time with the pandemic going globally, uh, it's such a great message, I think, for everybody to hear that we just need to, yeah, think bigger, keep trying, keep persisting. And I think, you know, you're, you're bringing up a really good point, too, is that the adults need to model this enthusiasm, too, right? So when we make mistakes, our children are looking at us and saying, oh, how are they going to react to that mistake? So if we can embrace it, it's like, oops, I made a mistake. Well, I'm not going to do that again. This is what I learned from it. Or this is kind of tricky. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep trying. And, you know, and for parents to also know that they don't have to have all the answers, right? So sometimes when kids ask us questions and we don't know the answer, we're like, well, I don't know. Um, instead of saying, I don't know, well, that, well, first of all, to say, yes, I don't know. And it's okay to say, I don't know. But now let's go find out together, right? And so once again, modeling that, that joyful learning that, um, and, ongoing learning like we should always be learning like there's never a point where we stop learning yes I think you know once we stop learning we start dying right we need to that's yeah <laughs> now you touched on this earlier which is how Sesame Street's always been so progressive and inclusive um, which I absolutely love now today's children you mentioned it earlier the difference between you know grandparents going this is not the same Sesame Street that I witnessed when I was younger um how does it address the needs of today's children? Because they are so different to, you know, parenting now is so different to when we were parented as well. Um, and I think there's so many different challenging times for us, like that we're having to deal with and relearn and unlearn. Um, how, how are you addressing these needs for these today's children? Because they are, there is so many different things that, that are happening that we never had to worry about when we were kids. No, that's, that's so, so true. And um, what we, what we do remain true to is our audience is a young audience. It's a preschool audience. And we want to be able to address their needs and address their questions. So that's why we don't shy away from tough topics. But what we do do is we answer or address these tough topics through the lens of what we know is age appropriate. 
and to do it in a nurturing and, and caring way. And that's why it's so important to have um, the human cast, right? To, to model what to say when these tough topics um, come up. So we have dealt with so many tough topics over the years. So we've dealt with death, uh, we've dealt with uh, various traumas. Uh, and how do you talk to children? Because we know that our viewers may have experienced something very similar. So you need to be um, genuine, but not overwhelm them, but give them an empowering and hopeful message. And so I think that's um, really in, important is, is, is the modeling of, of the behaviors that we would love for other adults in children's lives to, to, um, to model in real life in, in the home in, in, in environment. So um, it is through this research process, you know, as I said, we're always looking and uh, seeing what we can actually address through a television show. You know, there might be some things that we can't, and we have a whole other section, a platform called Sesame Street in Communities, which is a digital web-based um, uh, platform where we could then provide content that is um, for adults to um, watch with their children, because we know that that topic is, is not what we call um, um, a mass media topic that it's best to, to, to focus on if your child is dealing with this issue, like for a divorce. Um, divorce may not be the topic that you wanna put on a Sesame Street show because that might then just uh, increase some anxiety that their parent, that they may think that their parents are gonna get a divorce. So that's content that you wanna just make sure it's for a targeted uh, audience. But bullying is something that is broad. Right. And so um, that's a topic that we've we've addressed. Yeah, because it must be hard to decide the content. You know, I see where you've got that mainstream focus and like you just said, that more niche audience. How do you decide which episodes um, you will cover um, and what can content you need to create? Because that must be a challenge for you. Well, that's where, you know, what's, what's unique about Sesame Workshop is from the very beginning, we've had a child development expert internally on staff um, and a department, um, an education department. And so um, it is, it's, it's working with, and, and we bring in other um, content experts. So for instance, again, to give you an example, um, for 9-11, the 9-11 um, attacks um, and disaster and tragedy, um, the question came to me, well, we were in production and what can we do? We want to be able to create content. So the first thing I did is, is to convene mental health experts. Um, and that's what we do every year. We have a convening. Once we identify a topic, then we bring in the experts who know what are the best practices. What are those key messages for preschoolers based on their research? So we need to then figure out what, what are those messages and what kinds of stories can we tell that would be done in an age appropriate way? And then we have a research process because, and that's the beauty of our founders. Um, Joan Gans Cooney always said, you could bring in the best experts, but the real experts are the children themselves. 
So we bring the content uh, as we're developing it to the children to see, do they understand these messages? Because if they don't, they're not broken. We didn't get it right and we have to fix it. So the real experts are not the PhDs, <laughs> uh, but the children themselves. Yeah. So I think that is another um, fundamental uh, uh, cornerstone of our success is this, what we call this formative research process where we uh, go to the kids, the experts themselves, and they will tell us, they will tell us what's working and what's not working. Oh, I love it. Now you must have some incredible, because I've loved Sesame Street my whole life um, and I've got so many fond memories. Um, what are some of the best feedback stories you've heard of when it comes to the power of Sesame Street in the lives of families? Because you must have some really great ones. When I, I mean, there's, there are so many. Um, I just love it when parents let us know um, how their children are reacting and how they see the learning and the transformation occur in their child after viewing. So for season 51, we've been hearing so many parents and it just makes, makes me beam um, when their child is faced with a problem or where they see their parent faced with a problem, they say, remember when we have a problem and they, re they recite the phrase. That's, that's the power of Sesame Street, and we know that they're learning. And not only they're learning, but they're applying it in their everyday real world experience. And, uh, and there's so many, there's so many examples, especially when we're dealing with some, some tough topics. Um, so racism, we've, 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 um, we've had some specials and we're, we're, you know, we're, we've been on CNN doing town halls and once again, parents saying, thank you for letting me know how to answer these questions. My child is experiencing this. Um, uh, either uh, it could be through the news, they shouldn't be having the news on with their young children, but you know, it's okay, they, they're, it's, it's exposure. Uh, how do we address it? It could be in the neighborhood, it could be a, a direct um, uh, experience, but parents, um, Parents need resources. And so having them come to us uh, as uh, um, a source, a trusted source for them and, and to let us know that we're getting it right and it's helpful is, is, is what, we, what we hope for. Now, we all grew up with Sesame Street. You are so passionate about the show. I wanna know a little bit more about you. How did you get involved and um, tell me how did you become part of the magic and what do you love most about what your job is? Because it's a pretty incredible role that you have. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yes, it's, a, I'm, I'm, it's an incredible role and I'm, I'm truly blessed to, 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 to be in this role. Um, I am a developmental psychologist. Um, and when I was um, looking for a graduate school, um, I, I knew that I wanted um, to do applied research. I, I wasn't interested in doing basic research. Um, and so the school that I went to uh, had a, a center called University of Kansas, um, with the center was called the Center for Research on the Influences of Television on Children. So when I was applying to different uh, schools, I was struck by this research center. 
Um, and the co-directors were developmental psychologists. It was grounded in a, a human uh, development uh, program. And I was like, people are doing research on the effects of television on children. This was like new for me. This was um, in 1983. And um, so I applied, I, I was accepted. And the, um, when I got there that year, they were just finishing up a longitudinal study on the effects of television where Sesame Street was a big part of their educational um, um, viewing patterns because they were looking at educational television versus purely entertainment television. And in that time, you know, we don't have the, the proliferation of all these uh, uh, channels. Um, um, Sesame Street was a big bulk of their, of their um, uh, um, parents filled out viewing diaries of, of um, three to five-year-olds. And so they had enough data to look at, well, what are the effects solely of Sesame Street? And so I was like, wow, this is, a, this is really amazing. And um, so I got my, my doctorate and went back to New York and I remained connected to Sesame Workshop because of what they were doing and wanted to, to consult and, and do whatever I could to, to be a part of their content creation. So I, um, after several years, um, I had the opportunity to apply for this position and, um, and it's 24 years later. Absolutely incredible. Um, now, obviously the Muppets, you know, are a huge hook, as you said. Can you describe the power of the Muppets? Because Yes, I, I love so many of them, but obviously they influence the children and adults so much. Tell me a little bit more about the power of the Muppets. There's a phrase that we use in developmental psychology called power uh, social relationships. And what I mean by that is for young children, they see television as reality. They don't know that television is fantasy, especially live action. They don't see this fantasy and um, they have a hard time distinguishing uh, fact from fiction. That's cognitively, they're just not, they're not able to, to do that. They will later. So when they see a character that is talking directly to them, who represents them that they can identify with, they see that character as real. And it's a real friend. And if you develop what we call a develop, uh, to develop a power social relationship with a character, you learn so much more from that character. And this is based on research. I mean, there's, there's lots of studies that show if you have a relationship with a character, you're gonna learn a lot more from, from the content that that character is, is, is teaching you than if you don't have a relationship with the character. So our characters, are so well developed from, from, a, from a child development point of view that children so connect to them. And what's amazing is when children see the characters in the real world, outside of the television show. So if there's a child on set while we're, we're, while we're filming or if there's a community event and there's a character with the puppeteer, they don't see the puppeteer. That person doesn't exist. They lock into the character. And this is true for adults as well, you know? Um, and that's, that's just, the, that's the power of our, our Muppets and how they, they connect. And um, 
it's 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 just something's very special to 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 experience uh, now obviously elmo cookie monster big bird and the whole gang um you know are they like working with real life actors are they got a bit of an ego like you got a they got a green room where they need things like what's it like working with them they um they are amazing they are. and they their love for children and the love for what they are doing for children is um is they're, they're they're selfless i mean they really do have the passion and the dedication because they are so committed to the mission so uh, no, they don't have egos and um, they work so hard and, and tired, tirelessly. Um, I just, I just love working with I them. I bet you do. They're such incredible characters um, and you get humans on as well. So a lot of celebrities, so it's name dropper time. Um, you know, you've got so many that are coming on the show for this next season. Um, how do their appearances come to be? How do you decide who comes on the show? Um, tell me a little bit more, you know, are they approaching you to be on the show? Like, obviously, it's a pretty big deal to be on Sesame Street. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. Some some reach out to us, especially if they have young children, you know, because they know that they're, they're watching and they want to be a part of it. Um, but we also have producers that actually that's their job is to is to, you know, is to reach out. Um, and um, those celebrities play a, a critical role in once again, embracing the adults in children's lives, right? So from a child point of view, they don't really know these celebrities and maybe maybe they'll know some of them, you know, um, but um, like, so so Steph Curry, Steph Curry was on, if, you know, they might be watching basketball and they, he, you know, he, he might be a, a favorite basketball player for, for, uh, for them, um, or they might recognize a singer, um, but it really is to bring in the adult. The content that the celebrity is either singing about or talking about, that's kid directed. So they're just they're just interacting um, as a child, just 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 absorbing what the um, the um, celebrity is saying and doing. Right. But for a parent or a grandparent, it's sort of like, oh, wow, that that celebrity is meaningful to them. So they're always looking for celebrities who are currently popular you know, and looking at the demographics of the parents who are watching today, right? And making sure that they connect with that parent demo. Yeah, I love it. Now you've got some great initiatives. I love the one that you mentioned um, earlier where the um, tailored shows for specific issues are, but you've also got um, a Sesame workshop um, and it does a lot of great in the community. So can you tell me a little bit more it's more than, you know, because obviously Sesame Street, it's more, it's more than a TV show. So can you explain what the Sesame Workshop is and all of the good that it does? Yeah, so you're absolutely right. So Sesame Workshop is the parent, is the company, um, is our, um, we're an educational media company. Um, and so Sesame Street is the show. And we also create other shows, um, uh, but we're, best known for Sesame Street because it's 51 years old. But we also create content on other platforms. So Sesame Street in Communities is a, a wonderful resource filled with so many, um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's um, um, a digital destination filled with resources that are 
dealing with all kinds of, of, of topics. Um, so there are resources for parents, but educators, um, um, community uh, organizations who are working with, with families. So yes, there's content on the academic skills, but also working a lot with uh, health and, and health issues. Um, so currently we have quite a few resources on COVID-19, um, but also building resiliency skills for children who have faced trauma. Because we know that um, when a child has um, these, um, um, what they call um, um, ACEs, so uh, adverse um, childhood experiences, trauma due to um, death, loss of, you know, or um, incarceration, um, divorce, uh, food insecurity, homelessness. Um, these are big trauma issues. And those resources are designed for families so that they could help not only the child, but also help the parents. And I think that's an important message. Um, and we try to convey this uh, through COVID, our COVID-19 materials, as well as racism, is that parents need to take care of themselves. We need to uh, make sure that we're okay because we can't help our children if we're not okay. And that's a message that um, is a really important message. And we, we, we uh, have given that a lot of attention. So helping parents learn these strategies to, to make sure that their mental health is, is uh, in check and they're getting the help that they need and they need those calming down moments. And then how do you help your child uh, deal with these um, emotional um, trauma, uh, traumatic experiences? Yeah, because it is challenging time for everyone, really. Well, many of us around the globe at the moment. You've recently launched an initiative called Caring for Each Other, um, which is to help parents and children deal with the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, you know, can you tell us a little bit more about that initiative? Because I think that's a nice segue from what you were just talking about there. Yeah, so Caring for Each Other um, um, has multiple components to it. And we have global resources because it's a pandemic, it's, it's around the globe. And um, first to explain to children, what are the facts? Like what is happening? What is this COVID-19 that is shutting us all down in our homes and we can't get out? And what are these germs? And are these germs like scary and, and are we gonna get sick? Um, so just to give the facts and to also, not to make it so scary, to empower children how they can keep themselves from getting sick and also keeping others from getting sick. So uh, we created content about washing your hands. So in a fun song, washy, washy, and make, because you know you gotta wash your hands for 20, 20 seconds. Um, talking about this mask and why we're wearing this mask and um, how do you keep social distance? So these are the, the facts from a, but, we know that children need to stay socially connected. So now we're introducing technology and we're talking to each other through technology. So um, what does that mean? How does that look? And using our characters. So the characters are talking to the kids and saying, we're staying connected on Sesame Street through, through these video chats. Um, and then helping parents understand the, the, the importance of routines 
giving children structure? How do we help them manage? What are the strategies for managing their emotions when they're dealing with disappointment and frustration and anger? Um, how do you help parents understand that children, while they're not at school, um, that learning occurs through play and everyday moments. It's not about now we're gonna sit down and we're gonna do our lessons. It's learning by cooking and doing the laundry and you know sorting your toys when you're putting them away. So we did a lot in terms of helping parents understand what those learning moments look like through everyday moments. Now, Rosemary, you do have a book that you've written as well. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about that? Uh, absolutely. This book um, is based on the Sesame Street school readiness curriculum. And I was inspired to write this book for parents. These are parents for children between the ages of, of two to five to illustrate how they could approach teaching children their school readiness skills through play. So taking a playful approach to learning. And so often when I, when I, when I talk to parents, they have all of these um, expectations that they need to be teachers. It's like, no, you don't need to be a teacher. You need to be your parent, but they don't have the how to's. How do I incorporate learning in my children's play? How do I even engage in these playful learning experiences with, with um, my child? So the book is filled with tips. It, it just illustrates um, the how-tos, but it also provides for across all of the school readiness goals, these developmental progressions. So they have a sense of where their children are and, and all children develop on their own pace. This is not about the, you know, where your child needs to be, but just to guide and to see what maybe they wanna spend more time on if their child is needing some extra um, uh, skill developments. So, but it's all about joy and the joy of learning and making it easier for parents. So it's a wonderful resource. We'll put that link uh, for the book in our show notes, but uh, what's the name of the book called again, Rosemary, just so that our listeners can hear. So Sesame Street, Ready for School, A Parent's Guide to Playful Learning for Children Ages 2 to 5. I love it. So we'll put the link to that book in our show notes, but it's a great resource, obviously, for parents and educators listening right now. Any parting words that you want to share with our, our listeners, Rosemary, about, you know, the amazing work of Sesame Street or any parting, parting message for the parents listening right now? Parents um, are dealing with a lot. And I think the parting message for parents is that um, you're doing a great job you know what your children need and you know your, your child best. And to come to our website for resources, watch our show um, because we're there to guide you and we're there to help you. And, um, and to know that it's okay. And it's okay to stumble and make mistakes and just know that it's about moving forward. And when you make a mistake and say, okay, what did I learn from it? And how could I do better the next time? And, um, and, and not to be so hard on ourselves. I think um, we, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves uh, because there's so much pressure to get it right. And it's, it's not about getting it right. It's just about doing a good job. 
I love it. I think parents also need to remember that I wonder, what if? Let's try. What if? Let's try. <laughs> Excellent. And you got the gestures, right? I wonder what if. Let's I've been try. practicing Good. all morning. I've been practicing. So, <laughs> well, it's 51 years. Congratulations on such an extraordinary journey. Um, Sesame Street is honestly amazing. I've learned so much more about it and I have so much more respect and admiration for, for everything about the show. But make sure on ABC for Kids, check it out. Uh, the 51st season is now going ahead and, you know, it's got some great messages that we all need to hear. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you want to be an expert guest or you've got a weird, wacky or wonderful product to share, don't be shy. Get in contact with our team at info at patmag.com.au. This podcast is proudly produced by PacMag. You can listen to more episodes on our website, pacmag.com.au.